We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. to another edition of Hand Raised Guys, presented by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. On tonight's show, I'm joined by a couple of good friends of mine, Matt Moscona of ESPN Louisiana, and Chris Dortch of Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. We'll get to Matt and Chris in a minute, but first I want to tell you about Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, different names, same great products, same great services, same great people. They'll take great care of you if uh, you haven't gotten that AC in tip-top shape. By now, you need to go ahead and do that. It's starting to get really warm outside. You know what's coming. We live in the south. It's going to get hot. So get that checked out. Get in touch with them. Tell them that you heard about them on the po- heard about them on the podcast, and they'll take great care of you. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call the people at Southern, 662 4429. This will be the Friday Oxford Exxon podcast, the Oxford Exxon located Highway 6 West in Oxford. You can try to win box tickets to the series finale this weekend against LSU. Simply tweet at Oxford Exxon and use the hashtag Rebel Ready. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number to call. Ask for my buddy Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for, and he will send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get the quote, and the rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. 662-257-1900. Matt Moscona, Chris Dorch, all other guests join on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. If you're a displaced corporate executive or you're wanting to put your career in your own hands, maybe you're an experienced entrepreneur simply looking to diversify, Andy Ludeke can help. He's a longtime Rivals board member, a diehard college football fan, and a franchise veteran. He owns multiple franchises and businesses, uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy, put your life and your career in your own hands. It's 100% free, so what do you have to lose? Find your perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net. Contact Andy at andy at myperfectfranchise.net or give him a call, 404-973-9901. Speaking of the myperfectfranchise.net hotline, we go to it now for my conversation with Matt Moscona of ESPN Louisiana. 
Our good buddy Matt Moscona, kind enough to uh, spend some time with us. We're going to talk about a bunch of things. Uh, we'll talk. I want to talk some LSU football because I'm, I think I'm this close here in April to picking LSU to win the SEC West, but I'm going to get Matt to either talk me in or out of it. Uh, <laughs> we'll do that in a minute. But first, uh, Matt, first, good to have you with us. Yeah, I'm good, man. Uh, thanks for the invite, as always. It's always good to chat. But um, I, I love this time of year, man. I don't know how you feel about it. But for me, springtime, you know, football, we go so deep on one topic, right? And uh, when you get to the spring and you can be more broad, we talk spring football, we talk baseball, we talk transfer portal. So I just, I, I love the springtime, man. It's a great time of year for me. I do too. It's it's the beginning of, um, not to get overly deep, I, it, it's the, I get, I get by the time football's over and we go into basketball and all the recruiting stuff and the transfer portal stuff, by the time spring football ends and it ended here this past Saturday, by the time it ends, the tank's kind of empty. Um, and, and, uh, <laughs> and it's, you know, I mean, and I, I, we're going to talk football in a minute. I get it. We talk football, we talk football, we talk football, but I get not footballed out, if you will, but I just get a little, the minutia of footballed out. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I was kind of ready to get into some broad things. I love the NBA. Yeah. I, I, I love the NBA playoffs. Um, uh, I, I like the NBA draft lottery stuff. I like the uh, I like Major League Baseball. My, the team that I cheer for, I thought was going to be very average. And it appears they might be slightly above average, which is exciting. So, I mean, there are other things sports-wise that kind of get me my juices flowing. And then when August rolls around, you're back in the grind of it, you know, and, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm never in a hurry to get to August. <laughs> it's it's, it it's going to come. I get it. But like the people in June that are like football's around the corner. I'm like, Whoa, slow down. Yeah. Slow down. <laughs> and then, and then when, and then when football gets here, then the entire conversation is about December of the playoff. And we don't take our time and actually enjoy the season as it transpires sometimes. Literally from the first game, it's all about okay, who's going to make the playoffs? Like, you guys look forward to these twelve Saturdays, the whole year, and then you get to them and you're like, let's run through, let's run. Yeah. It's, it's, I guess that's human nature, right? You, you, yeah, don't, you don't realize you're in the good old days until you're past the good old days or something like that. That's the yes, service. All right, uh, LSU comes to town for baseball this weekend. Um, I got a number of kind of big picture things I'm going to ask you about with this, but. I'll start here. I've watched a lot of LSU. Uh, I realized a couple of years ago that uh, my partner Chase Parham was was carrying the complete load with college baseball. That I wasn't really watching it. I was. You know, <laughs> we were doing this daily podcast, and he would talk about college baseball, and I'd sort of look at him like, "So, uh, what, what what country are we talking about?" And I, I made a I made a agreement with myself to do better, and I have. I've watched a lot of college baseball the last two three years, and so I've watched LSU a lot. Here's my observation with LSU. On the night when Paul Skeens pitches, LSU's the best team in the country. Uh, before all of the injuries and stuff, they may have been the overall best team in the country, but they've had a bunch of health issues. Their pitching staff's gotten depleted to a degree. And on the nights when Paul Skeens doesn't pitch, um, they're still very, very good. I wonder if they're good enough to get all the way to the finish line. Your thoughts? Uh, the best example is the one you got to cover a year ago. Uh, Ole Miss won a national championship with two arms. Dylan DeLucia and Hunter Elliott were awesome, and they didn't lose in the postseason, and they had great leadership, and they hit the baseball. So people ask me often, you know, does LSU have enough pitching? Yeah. I mean, Paul Skeens is going to get you a win every time out. 
Uh, when you, the only time they haven't won was when he had to exit after three innings because of lightning. Um, and it was still a weird game that the way it transpired, but yeah, I mean, LSU's plenty good enough to win a national championship with the group they have. Um, your other observation is also true, which is you've lost three arms that you were counting on. You lost Grant Taylor before the year, who was either going to be a, a rotation guy or your closer, however you know it would have transpired. And as the season was starting to unfold, you learned that the two guys you were counting on most were Chase Short, who's a freshman, who's 6'8 and throws 100, and Garrett Edwards, who's a veteran guy who – has really developed into a strike thrower pump at 95 and was their first guy out of the pen. And both those guys are on the shelf, Neil. And while Jay Johnson hasn't officially said anything, I'm not expecting either of them back this year. So that's three big arms that you were counting to eat a lot of innings. So really with the past, um, certainly the past couple of weeks, what it's been has been figuring out, who you can count on in what spots. In a sense, with the pitching staff, they're kind of building the bridge as they cross it. But the offense is still good enough to, <laughs> to slug them to wins. And, you know, when you got a guy like Jordan Thompson hitting in your eight hole and Braden Joe Bear, who cranked 18 homers a year ago, hitting in your seven hole, like it's an embarrassment of riches, man. And you got teams intentionally walking Dylan Cruz to get to Tommy White, who's leading the nation in RBIs. You're intentionally walking a guy to get to the nation's RBI lead. It's, there, it's a, it's an embarrassment. You can't get Cruz out. I mean, I get it. I, I get looking yeah. at, I, I get watching it and going, we can't get him out. I don't want him in a home run. Put him on first. Yeah, I, you I, know, I understand it completely. You know, they, you could look at LSU in any given weekend, and you can make one of two arguments. I could just look at this past weekend against Kentucky, and I'm going to assume everybody didn't see the Kentucky weekend, but. LSU wins uh, game one Thursday behind Paul Skeens. They lose on Friday. It was a weird sequence of events, that which I'll, I'll talk about in a second. And then they come back and they win game three, but they needed – it was a back-and-forth game. They needed an eighth-inning rally and won it. So you can come out of that weekend and you could say, man, LSU is an eighth-inning rally away from losing a home series to Kentucky, which is true. But in game two, they were up six to three, two outs, two on, to make a pitching change. They go to Griffin Herring, freshman lefty, who's been really good. Y'all are going to see him this weekend. First pitch gets a grounder to third. Tommy White boots it. So now you got bases loaded, two outs. Herring battles, gets a pop fly to right field. Should be out of the inning. Braden Jobert overruns it. It ends up being a, a three-run triple. And now you're in a tie ball game, and Kentucky would add one more and be up seven to six, and you lose that game. I could argue... If you field a routine ground ball at third base, you sweep Kentucky. And prob- you probably do. Um, but it's baseball, man. That's why you play 56 of them. And you know this as well as I do. I mean, I know you're an MLB guy as I am too. Like, the 27 Yankees are the best team ever. They lost 44 times. Like, you're going to lose baseball games. It's sure. just who's going to play the best at the end of the season, put themselves in a position to make a run. You know, if you're LSU, your your whole objective is – Make sure the postseason runs through Baton Rouge. Make sure your path to Omaha runs through Baton Rouge. If it does, more often than not, you're going to get there. And then see see how you play over 10 days in Omaha. You've been around a lot of good baseball, uh, watching LSU, watching the teams that play LSU in this incredible league that that uh, the SEC has been over the past two decades or three decades, whatever it's been. you ever seen a player, position player, better than Cruz? 
And if so, who? Because we, we've had this, Chase and I have had this debate because for the longest time, I was a Pedro Alvarez fan. I was like, that dude was amazing. The ball came off his bat different. He was he dominated college games. Yeah. Um, the, the, the kid at Florida, the two-way players, he's, he's really good too. Uh, Jock Castell, I can't say his name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jack Castiglione. Yeah, him. Um, yeah. But Cruz, man, he, he's amazing. I mean, his numbers are just astounding. But when you watch him play, the way the ball comes off his bat, the way that, that he – I think he's a, a plus defensive center fielder. Man, I, don't, I don't think he's far from, from the major leagues. I mean, I don't – there's – he might need a little finishing school somewhere, but that guy's not going to spend a lot of time in, in high A. Yeah, he's, he's a 1-1 one, one guy in the draft. I mean, it's – Cruz and Skeens are going to go one two. I, I at this point, Neil, if all else, if all remains the same, right, health and everything, I, I can't imagine a scenario where Cruz and Skeens aren't one two. Um, from my understanding, talking to scouts, there's a there's a high school prospect somewhere in the, maybe Pennsylvania who who might push up into the top five. A good challenge, but it's really does Pittsburgh want to go with the ace pitcher or do they want to go with what you just described in Dylan Cruz, which is what I think they'll do. By the way. And then I think, and from what I understand, Washington's not letting Skeens get past him. So I think they'll go one. They'll go one two. Um, you asked if he's the best. Um, so it's so it's tricky whenever you have the conversation around LSU because so much of the conversation here revolves around national championships. Like Alex Bregman, incredible player, was the second pick in the draft. Went to Omaha twice. Um, Brooks Wallace Award, best shortstop in the country was you know was very rapidly moved through the Astro system and has now been an all-star play is incredible. Sure. But his resume at LSU, some would look at as incomplete because he they didn't win it no more. Right. I can't make money. I'm not interested. I could run through some great players, man. Todd Walker was awesome. Um obviously a guy who hit four hundred when he was here. I when you talk about though a plus defender at a premium position, which center field is, a guy that can hit for average and power. Um, we haven't seen anyone like Cruz. And and just for a little more context, if you want the Bregman example, Bregman in his LSU career hit 18 homers. Um, Cruz hit more homers as a freshman than Bregman did in his LSU career. So that's the big difference, right? Bregman's power stroke didn't really develop until he got to the next level. And I've talked to Alex about this, Neil, where he said, look, at LSU, Palmineri, they, you know, they, they wanted him hitting the ball on the ground and on a line. When he got into the into the Astro system, they wanted him hitting it on a line or they wanted him elevating the baseball. They wanted him trying to hit homers. And so, he, and he has, and he's done it quite well at the next level. But that's, that's the differentiator with Dylan Cruz. Um, as far as the entirety of the SEC, he's in the conversation. But let's, let's see how this year fi- finishes for Dylan if they finish it in Omaha, winning the last one. And if he does that and he hits 450 or 500, which seems absurd, but he just keeps hovering right around 500. I keep waiting for the, I keep waiting, Neil, I keep waiting for the, the one for 15 weekend. You know, we see the average drop. It just, he's just playing a different game than everybody else. He's, he's just superior to so many college pitchers that, they, they can't get him out. You, you can get ahead of him, but you can't finish him. You can sometimes get him to, he, it, one of his strengths is that he really doesn't chase much. Every so often, you can tell that he gets a little antsy because people are pitching around him, and maybe he expands his zone just a little bit and gets gets himself out. But it's pretty rare. Yeah, 
if he if he doesn't end up hitting 400 for the season i'll be shocked but if he if it does dip the reason is going to be what you just alluded to so many teams are choosing to walk him and so his his at bats as plate appearances his at bats are going to are going to diminish so he essentially is going to have to go one for two in his in his opportunities to hit in a given day or you're going to see the average I mean, when you're hitting 500 it's hard it's so ridiculous to say it like <laughs> you go one for three your average drops right i mean it's he's 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 incredible man i i hope people appreciate appreciate what they're watching with him good guy the best yeah uh great family um has done so much in this community um that is never even some of which has been written about um time he's donated to special needs schools um he, he comes from a family that has that 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 has means um he's donated his nil money to different charities he's he's a great guy where wherever he goes if it's pittsburgh at one or washington at two or like they'll be getting a not only a great baseball player but a, a great guy as well he's he's one of those rare birds man that was raised right and just has all the god-given ability all of the work ethic and it just he's he's been a pleasure to watch and to cover you mentioned winning the last one in Omaha. Ole Miss was able to do that last year. I was curious, after all of the Mike Bianco to LSU talk a couple of years ago and Mike's connections there, and it's no secret whatsoever that Skip Bertman and so many other people down there were pushing for Mike to replace Paul mm -hmm. And Was there a degree of vindication for some of those people to see Ole Miss and Mike win it last, last June? Maybe. I don't know necessarily, Neil, that that was the feeling. What I would tell you is there's a lot of people here that love Mike Bianco from his time as a player when he was Ben McDonald's catcher to the time when he was an assistant under Skip. He, he's just a very well-liked man. I mean, let, baseball stuff not as, you know, aside, former players who have a major presence in this town, almost in a bizarre way. And I, I mean that in sort of a reverent way, understanding the history of this program, but the, the former players still take a ton of ownership of this program. And so a lot of the people that were pushing for Mike to get the job were former players who were you know, on the teams when he was an assistant uh, under Skip. But um, I, I don't know that it was it was vindication or anything like that, because quite honestly, Neil, you could look at the start of this season and say, well, that's a reason why you don't hire Mike. Bianca. That's a fair but point. Sure. I, more than anything, I think it was just like people felt great for the man. They felt great for their friend, Mike Bianco, who has, what is he, the winningest, is winningest or second winningest coach in SEC history now? And to, you know, to have, have toiled as long as he has there in Oxford to build that program and to finally get over the hump. Um, I, I think I, it was mostly, I think people just felt good for Mike. All right. Switching gears a little bit. Um, I told you before we got started, I'm, I do the show with Tyler Siski twice a week and, and we were doing, SEC West stuff a couple weeks ago, and you know we all—it's—it's it's almost by default now. You pick Alabama. It's like, oh yeah, Alabama's going to win the West, and and you know they've done it for 15 years basically, with a couple of exceptions. It's just the easy pick. It's the safe pick. And and I said I kind of like LSU, and Alabama's got question mark at quarterback. They've got you know a couple talented guys, but I mean I watched Walker Howard go through spring here at Ole Miss, and Walker Howard's really good has a really bright future, uh, has a ton of arm talent. Yeah. And I'm like, that dude left LSU because he wasn't going to win the backup job. 
they're they're good and, and they're kind of good all over and frankly of all the teams that i saw in person last year lsu is the one that resonated with me i did not see georgia in person i'm not saying georgia was georgia was better than lsu georgia was better than alabama but of the teams that i saw really lsu resonated with me as well that's a really talented team long question am i right in thinking lsu is the favorite in the west um i think so and I mean, Neil, you and I have talked enough over the years to, that you know that I'm the last person in the world you're going to talk to that is that anyone is going to consider an unapologetic hover. Okay, like if anything, I get criticized for being the other side of that. that yeah, that people need to know this because some people do. They go, oh, Moscona's a homer. He's an LSU guy. He does that show after the games with the cigars and he and, and it's, it's so good. <laughs> and I'm like, number one, you got to understand that that there's 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 different sides to different people and that sometimes you got to play the game a little bit but you spent i mean i'll say this you don't have to you spent years in that city as not exactly the most popular guy yeah because you you spoke (laughs) you never really wavered from your disapproval if you will of of ed orgeron who ended up winning a national championship with maybe the best college football team ever assembled but also sort of ran the program into the ground at the end in much the way that you predicted that, that, that he would. So when people say, Oh, he's a Homer, I'm like, Homer's never waver from the, we're just going to win the whole thing. And, and you, you, you've definitely spent several years not in good graces. My point is if I think they're going to stink, I'm going to tell you, I think they're going to stink. And if I think they're going to win, I'm going to tell you, I think they're going to win. And here's why, and I'm not complete, Neil, look, we're going to go through the second portal window. There's still a lot to figure out with with all the teams in the league. There's still going to be additions, subtractions. There's going to be injuries. There's a lot that's going to unfold. And some stuff will get right, some stuff will get wrong. But I'll give you two reasons why I think one is is a reason for LSU and one is sort of against Alabama. Um, LSU returns darn near everything on offense for sure uh you lose Keishon Booty uh and Jeray Jenkins but I would argue their deepest most talented position on the field is receiver you return your top top six offensive linemen a fifth year quarterback and every one of your running backs they're going to be very good on offense defensively you lose some production but you are undeniably going to be a deeper, more talented defense. Now, the question on defense is, can all those new parts come together and work as one? That that's But talent at every level of this defense, they are better at, they are going to be better at every level of the defense this year than they were a year ago. Um, and then the schedule. The schedule flips in LSU's favor. You get Auburn, Texas A&M, Florida, all at home and you do have to go to Alabama, but you play Tennessee this past year, Tennessee rotates off and Missouri rotates on. That's a win. You're you're rotating East divisional game is undeniably easier this year and your toughest league games save Alabama are at home. So when I look at the games LSU lost a year ago, Florida state, they should beat Florida state. They should have beaten Florida state this past year. Um, the Tennessee game, Tennessee rotates off, Missouri rotates on. 
and then you lost inexplicably to Texas A&M um, when you were already locked up the West, and you get A&M at home this year. The other part of it, of course, is is Bama. And Neil, I'm going to tell you, and sometimes when you compare leagues, this isn't necessarily apples to apples, but a year ago, before the NFL season, I went very hard. And I, look, I didn't get a lot right. But one thing I got right is I said Tampa's done. Because not only was Tom Brady aging, and eventually it was going to come to an end, but you saw their head coach leave. You saw Gronk retire. They lost three starting offensive linemen. The players they brought in were just aging players that um, that were past their prime. Like, you know, Tyler Eifert was a, is a good name, but he was past his prime. Right, you you could look at at some of the additions and say, yeah, I don't like five years ago, maybe not right now. That's where I am with Alabama. I, I think Alabama has more question marks now than they've ever had under Nick Saban. Neil, last year, Alabama played at least four 50-50 games. Like count them with me, right? Texas, yeah. Texas was a fifty-fifty game. Yes. They won it because Bryce Young had a Houdini act at the end of the game and and did Bryce Young things. Yes. A&M was a 50-50 game they won. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. A&M, A&M had a pass into the end zone. Now, granted, Bryce Young didn't play in that game, uh, but it was it was two backup quarterbacks. Yeah, but, game. you know, there were I, I did this. There was only one team in the entire SEC West last year that went through a season with their quarterback unscathed. State. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Everybody else had, I mean, so, so yeah. you've got, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're going to give Alabama a pass on that, well, then you got to turn around and you got to give, um, I guess Ole Miss got through it too. They, Dart didn't get hurt, but you got to give, you got to give a pass to, you know, Arkansas when they lost a couple of games with, without KJ Jefferson, you, you gotta, you gotta go to LSU and go, well, you know, that last game, they, they Daniels was hurt and you got to throw it out. I mean, so if you're throwing out Bryce Young list games, well, then you got to do that for everybody. And then yeah. the whole comparison thing gets kind of weird. The the other two, they won, uh, they lost, which were Alabama. I'm uh, sorry, which were, were LSU and Tennessee. And you could argue with Alabama, hey man, they are a 50 yard field goal at the gun away from beating Tennessee, and they are an overtime play, you know, two point conversion away from beating LSU and being undefeated. Which which is true. The flip side of it is you're a Bryce Young Houdini act and a Texas A and M pass into the end zone away from being an eight and four football team. Now you take Bryce Young hey, they off. They of trailed. Team. They trailed in the fourth quarter here. That's um, right. You know they. Ole they Miss was a fifty-fifty game. Yeah. They were. They were in trouble in Fayetteville. If yeah. you remember, I mean they they ended up winning big, but Young was out and Arkansas was driving yeah. and they had a third and long and 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 uh, they were about to have, they were about to have to punt the ball and Milrow takes off on a big run and that swung yeah. the game. But I mean you know you change that play and who knows I mean. Yeah. To your your point that you're making, I, I agree completely, which is they didn't steamroll through everything last year the way yes. they have in the past. So the question is, do you credit Alabama for finding ways to win those games, or do you say, is this really the beginning of maybe, I, I hate to say deterioration, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, they're still great, but I, I look at Alabama and I say, there's a lot of reason to believe that when you lose Bryce Young, when you lose the the talent they lose every year in the draft. And now you have to replace both coordinators, which I'm not the biggest Tommy Reese fan in the world, man. Um, maybe he'll be awesome given a, a better collection of talent. But I, I think it is right to look at Alabama and say, you've lost coordinators before. You've lost talented players before. This year kind of hits a little different 
And I, I think for the first time in a long time, Alabama's got a lot to prove. Because, Neil, last year, I thought Alabama was going to steamroll everybody. I, when we were at media days last year in Atlanta, one of my biggest takeaways from that week was talking to those Alabama players. They were pissed off, man. They looked like they were ready to just run a wrecking ball through the league as, as a result of losing to Georgia the year before. And it just didn't happen, man. And I, I think they're vulnerable. I do. I think Alabama's vulnerable. What are your thoughts on Texas A&M? That's the other kind of wild card team because, you know, you look at the roster and you look at recruiting rankings and all of that stuff. It's a really talented roster, uh, Matt. I mean, it, it it really is. There's a there's a lot of dudes on that team that people would love to have on their team. Yet, they haven't put it together. They lost a ton of games. I know they beat LSU at the end. Like you said, it's an inexplicable game. I still kept kind of it was weird to watch it. They could have, the games that they, some of the games they won, they, they could have lost, probably should have lost. They were a field goal away from losing to to, to Arkansas, I mean, he br- he brings in Bobby Petrino. He's he he still answers questions in a weird way. He being Jimbo, I mean, I, I don't know what to expect except for the fact that's a really talented roster. What do you think? I think we've got a half decade worth of a sample size to suggest what Jimbo Fisher is at Texas A and M, and until he gets an elite quarterback, or unless he gets an elite quarterback in there like he did when he had Jameis Winston at Florida State, I don't know why it's going to be any different. I think we've seen at this point in his career what Jimbo is. And with the talented roster piece of it, there's a lot of really good players, no doubt. The other part of it is Texas A&M has 30 players in the transfer portal. You know, that that highly recruited class from two years ago. Heck, one of them is Denver Harris, Neil, five-star cornerback who's now at LSU. Did yeah. one year at A&M. Chris Marshall's, Chris Marshall's here, yeah. I mean, in the transfer portal world, the evolution of your roster is going to happen annually. Uh, it's just it's not realistic to think you're going to get a whole roster of guys to stay for three or four years anymore. So you've got a constant your roster management takes on a completely different life. And Jimbo struggled with that, man. And he has not been willing to let go of the reins of the offense. Listen, I think Bobby Petrino is a magnificent offensive coach. And if Jimbo lets Bobby Petrino run the offense, I think they will be better on offense. I just don't know that Jimbo is going to do that. So they got a lot to prove, but I'm not buying them. I'm not buying AM stock. So you've got LSU one, Alabama two. Who's three in the West in your very, very early pre-second window projection? <laughs> can you ask me? Can you ask me in July when we're in, when we're in Nashville this <laughs> oh, I'm year? I'm sure um, I will then too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly. I haven't done a deep enough dive on everybody in the league. Um, I'm curious about Hugh Freeze at Auburn. I don't know who his quarterback's going to be. Um, I have a ton of respect for Lane Kiffin and what he can do at Ole Miss. I don't think Zach Arnett at Mississippi State is going to do a darn thing. Um, I that That hire to me was inexplicable. I mean, given the circumstances, I can understand how impossible it is, but Take your time, take take your time and make and get the right guy. Maybe they did, but I, um, so I, I, I mean, I, you know, getting KJ Jefferson back at Arkansas, I think is major for them. But I feel like Sam Pittman. My biggest question for him is what happens when you lose your two coordinators? And it's the look, it's Neil, it's it's the same convo we had about Ogeron. He inherits Dave Aranda from from Les Miles. And what happened after that? Well, he hired Bo Pelini and Durante Jones. Those aren't the same as Dave Aranda, right? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I don't know, man. I think there's giant question marks. I mean, 
And plus, I'd also want to look at schedules, which I haven't done deeply enough to, to tell you yet. So I'm never the guy that's just going to be, all right, I'll, I, I never want to not give an answer. Okay, so I'll go, I'll give you, I'll say Ole Miss. I'll say Ole Miss. Um, primarily because of Lane Kiffin. Um, and I I think he can maximize quarterback there. So I'll go Ole Miss. Three. Quick thought on, quick thought on Walker Howard. How, how do you, what do you? What do you think of him? I know you know a lot about him from high school. Yeah. Days. You know his dad. You saw him at LSU, all that stuff. What kind of a college quarterback do you think he'll be? Hey, the first thing you said was right on, man. The arm talent. He was the best arm talent on this roster. Uh, when he when the ball leaves his hand, it just looks different. Um, and he's a great kid, man. He, Whenever he gets on the field, he'll be awesome. Um, I, you know, I would assume you tell me, you, know, you got Jackson Dart back. I would assume this is Jackson Dart's team. Um, but you got, you got Spencer Sanders coming in. Yeah, right? Who knows? I, and what, I mean, what's so you tell me actually who's, who's going to play know. quarterback I for Ole Miss? I, it, I, mean, I think it's going to be Sanders or Dart, Dart or Sanders. I don't, I, I think Howard's the backup because Howard's the quarterback of the future. And Lane very clearly really likes Walker Howard. And views him as the quarterback of the future. I think that's I think that's obvious. How they whoever's not the starter between Dart and Sanders, how they keep that person happy is beyond me. Yeah. But I don't make nine million dollars to do these things. He does. Yeah. So it's up to him. Um speaking of quarterbacks, Derek Carr in New Orleans, what's the what's the sense there? Is there a little renewed optimism after last year's sort of malaise that was sort of quarterback driven? Depends who you ask. Um, I'm asking you. Ah, well, you said, is there a sense of renewed optimism? Oh, well, there's that's uh, true. It's a good point. Good point. So do you have a sense of renewed optimism? No. Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> Neil, they, <sighs> Derek Carr and Saints fans do not like this, by the way. They, they do not like my take on Derek Carr because listen, Derek Carr is what Andy Dalton was when he left Cincinnati. Look, look at, I've done this on my show. If you look nine years with the organization that drafted them nine years as a starter, if you look at their statistics from their final season with their respective teams, Carr with the Raiders, Dalton with the Bengals. They are almost identical. And essentially, the Bengals knew their player the best, and they're like, he's done. And what's happened? Four consecutive years now, four different teams for Andy Dalton. Bears, Cowboys, Saints, now Panthers, right? He was done. He's just done. They knew it because they see him every day. The Raiders know Derek Carr can still play quarterback. He's just never going to win him anything. Here's the, the the tricky thing if you're the Saints. Derek Carr makes you better in 2023, undeniably. The the Saints will probably win a bad division, unless if Carolina drafts Bryce Young and he becomes great as a rookie. I really like their roster, and I like their coach. Um, but Carr makes you better in 2023. You can go from 7-10 and 10 to 9-8. and eight. I think that's plausible for the Saints. And nine and eight might be good enough to win a bad division and lose in the wild card round. Right. And then where are you? 
you're overpaying an aging quarterback who has a low, higher floor, lower ceiling. So my whole thing was, man, like, I, I'm not going to say, say tank, but understand what you are and start building for the future. And the Saints just won't do that. They, they just refuse to do it. They'll, they'll sign bad contracts. They'll restructure deals to try to maximize today, even if there's a lower ceiling. And I just, you know, nine and eight to make the playoffs and get bounced in, in round one isn't as appealing to me as drafting the guy that potentially is going to be your franchise for the next 10, 12 years. And they just refuse to do it. All right. Last thing. Uh, and I appreciate your time. You're awesome. Um, Pelicans. I was, my son Carson's a big Thunder fan. We went down to New Orleans to see the Pelicans and the Thunder, uh, not in the playoff game, but in the regular season game towards the end. Okay. We stayed. And the next day we saw the uh, the Pelicans beat the Blazers. Uh, Trey Murphy went off. Uh, Zion Williams was sitting on the bench or behind the bench uh, in both games. Uh, Zion looked big. Um, and I don't mean that in a good way. I mean, he looked yeah. big. Obviously, the Pelicans are right there, man. I mean, Brandon, Brandon Ingram's a stud. They've got pieces around them. Uh, McCollum's a good player. Uh, Murphy's a really good player. They, they've got guys, but they, they've, they've got so much of their roster tied up with, with Williamson, so much of their money. He's their future, all of that stuff. Are they getting any closer at all to the moment where they look at each other as a franchise and go, this doesn't work, let's move him? Or is the, is the, the potential for what Zion could be so intoxicating that they just hang on and hope? Well, they signed him to a max extension last year and or the other soft season. And um, I don't see any way you move him and get what you would see as um, uh, suitable compensation. So your best path forward is to make it work. Um, around here, by the way, I love this, by the way. I, or, or, I, I guess it makes sense, right? So Miss, fans in Mississippi are Saints Pelicans fans. I, I love that. I Saints love that we have for sure. Summer. Saints for sure. I, I, I don't. Our audience sometimes we get a lot of pushback when I talk about the NBA. So I try not to talk about the NBA as much as as I, I do. I, I probably talk about it too much, but I love the league. I think the league. Me too. It has all this drama, and it has it's 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 elite basketball. It's such good basketball. There's so many good players right now. I mean, like you look at the Kings for example, right? Yeah. De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis are both great players, unquestionably great players. And yet, if you asked a lot of NBA people, hey, name me your all-NBA teams, Sabonis might get third team, Fox might get third team. I mean, there yeah. are so many players who come to mind before those two, and they are they're on the cusp of knocking the Warriors out of this thing and and, and kind of going, hey, we're for real. We're we're not yeah. we're not a cute little story. We were a three seed for a reason. We're we're legit. And and the league's great. So I love the league. I watch a lot of the league. I live with a 16-year-old boy who watches the league constantly. So we talk yeah. all the time. And so I but it, yeah, I mean I, there are a lot of Pelicans fans in the audience yeah. of those who watch basketball. Yeah, they like they like the Pels. Yeah, I'd, I'd, the NBA is as healthy as it's been, I would argue, since the Lakers three-peat in the early 2000s. Um, there, was a, there was a wane after that, generally, but it, the star power, the, the parody, it's Adam Silver's a great commissioner. The play-in was a great idea, which has generated more interest in the regular season for more teams. Anyway, yes, I, I love the NBA. The NBA is awesome. Um, the, with Zion in particular – 
Um, I, if you if you have the conversation around here, people will mention, hey, look, for his first few years in the league, Steph Curry had ankle problems. And that was a real legit thing. And he overcame them. Uh, Joel Embiid missed his first two seasons because he had foot problems. And you look at a seven-footer with foot problems, you go, how do you overcome that? Well, he's going to win the MVP this year. So there's the hope, right? You look at Zion and you go, man, the meniscus thing was a freak accident as a rookie in summer league. Um, you know, the hamstring, that's soft tissue. You can, you can, there are ways you can prevent soft tissue injuries. You know, if this was micro fracture surgery, like Greg Oden, now you're having a different conversation. The things with Zion feel like, okay, with the right management and the white, right preparation, maybe you can prevent some of these injuries. And that's, that's the hope sincerely, because it's really your only path forward. Cause when this team is whole, Neil, when they were whole, and I'm talking end of December, beginning of January, when they were yeah. the best record in the West. Um, there was a, if you remember, the Pels were hosting Phoenix, who, you know, they, they lost to in six games last year in the first round. But Pels were up 20 and Zion did a 360 dunk with time expiring. And that was like a punctuation mark on what this team was. Brandon Ingram is a legit all star. CJ McCollum is a borderline potential Hall of Famer. Um, you got great bench depth with Jose Alvarado. You got three point shooting with Trey Murphy. You got great defense with Herb Jones. I, yes, they're a, they are a they are a when healthy legitimate Western Conference contender. Agreed, they are. Um, they just aren't healthy. So if they can stay healthy, great. It just, it just begs the question: Can he stay healthy? And I don't I don't know the answer to that. I mean, it's I think he has to slim down some. I think he has to become a more disciplined person off the court probably yeah he was before before the start of this past season when they went to the, the media day um and you know for the photo shoots and all that stuff he was a unit man like he was put together and he had lost weight and looked great um but when you're not running the floor every day for three months yeah you know when you got a, a hamstring injury and you're not keeping in shape yeah you're gonna gain weight yeah so. Hey, as always, thanks so much for the time. I, I, I appreciate it uh, very much. It's always great to catch up with you. Hope the family's well. We're great, man. Y'all got Will Furness and Walker Howard, a couple of LSU legacies over there in Oxford, man. What's the world coming to here? It's a, it's a crazy world, man. The transfer portal is, is, a, is, a, is a game changer for everyone. All right, Matthew, be good. All right, man. That was uh, my friend Matt Moscona, ESPN Louisiana kind enough for it to spend more than half an hour with us here on hand raise guys uh, we switch gears now go to some college basketball talk chris beard trying to put together his first Ole miss roster we talked about that and more with chris dorch of college basketball blue ribbon your book here on the myperfectfranchise.net hotline enjoy we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S. based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I'll tell you about Athletic Greens. Take AG1 in the morning before uh, working out, after working out, whatever it is that will uh, suit you, be- your, you best. Maybe if you're fasting, you do it to break the fast. Give it a fast. It would be a very good thing there to uh, start you out without the heavy meal, get you started for your day. Get some great nutrients inside you after uh, taking some hours off from eating. It'll make you feel better to take on your day, get you ready to go. It's good, something good for your body. So with AG1, it's a comprehensive health and power of habit all in one. It's great for recovery. Again, love taking mine after a workout. When you need a little bit of a boost, it empowers the gut for whole body health and so much more when the grains powder. It's all of your key health products all in one. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, and Athletic Greens has given you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs for your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash mpw. That's athleticgreens.com slash mpw. Check it out. Walk-On Sports Bistro puts everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine, po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, Plus, fan favorites like juicy burgers, fresh salads, all in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. Check them out in Oxford or Ridgeland today. The College Corner is your one-stop Rebel Shop, two locations in the Jackson area. In Ridgeland, it's uh, next to uh, Fleet Feet in Flowood. It's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, just go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook or Instagram at uh, College Corner Store. Brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. Hoping to bring you a hand raise, guys, uh, tomorrow night. Working on some stuff for that. That's brought to you by Comer and Southern. Different names, same great products, same great people, same great services. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call Southern, 662-429-4429. A-Stock is a Nashville-based online retail company with the mission to provide customers the power to name their price. All items start at just $1. That's right. Every item starts at just $1, no matter what the retail value may be. Shop now at astock.bid. That's A-S-T-O-C-K dot B-I-D. Or download their app, name your price on thousands of items from big-name retailers. A-Stock has multiple locations around Nashville and Memphis. Also in Indiana and more uh, coming soon that offer local pickups, so don't miss out. And we're brought to you by Solutions RX. It's a probiotic, multivitamin, and supplement company created by Ole Miss Pharmacy alum Chris Cornelison. It's pharmaceutical grade, manufactured right here inside Mississippi. If you have, uh, if you take diabetes, high blood pressure, or cholesterol medications, you know that uh, they typically cause side effects and uh, like muscle pain, brain fog, stuff like that. Chris formulated a product called Prescription Support. It puts those vitamins back into your body, keeps you compliant uh, over the long haul. SolutionsRx.com, promo code OEP at checkout. Get 10% off your first order. Podcast also brought to you by the Old Men's Athletics Foundation. Morgan Wallen bringing his one night at a time tour to Vaught Hemingway Stadium April 22nd, April 23rd. That's the Saturday and Sunday. Tickets for both still available and start at just $78. 
So to purchase, visit morganwallen.com. And if you already have your ticket, make sure and purchase a parking pass, olemistix.com for that. Remember, uh, parking is going to be at a premium. Get your pass now, olemistix.com. My longtime friend Chris Dorch of College Basketball Blue Ribbon Yearbook, kind enough to uh, spend some time with us here on Henry's Guys, the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Uh, how you doing, bud? I'm well, man. How are you? Man, I'm good. Um, it's been it's been a month or so since we visited. The last time we talked, it was right before the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament and all that. We talked a lot about the hypothetical of Chris Beard to Ole Miss at the time. Yeah. Uh, it looked like it was certainly something that could happen, and indeed it did. So Chris Beard is the uh, the new head coach at Ole Miss, putting together his first roster. It's quite an undertaking, as it has become for all college basketball coaches at the end of the yeah. season. It's just, it's just chaos in the portal. We'll get to that in a minute. But just first, your thoughts on Chris Beard, the uh, being at Ole Miss. What does it mean? Uh, what does it mean for Ole Miss? What does it mean for the league? Well, I, I, I don't think they could have made a better choice, uh, you know, off court, uh, you know, situation notwithstanding, I don't think they could have made a better choice in terms of X's and O's experience, winning quickly, uh, having the background, I think, to win at a place like Ole Miss. And when I say a place like Ole Miss, it's a wonderful university, great town, uh, not great basketball tradition in the SEC. There's just been sporadic pockets of success. Andy Kennedy, I think, was better than a lot of people might have thought uh, near the end of his tenure when everybody wanted him to leave. But I, I say Chris Beard because he's got a background. I think more ADs ought to look at guys like Chris Beard, Steve Forbes, uh, uh, people, Grant McCaslin, People with backgrounds in anything under Division One. I'm talking about JUCO, D2, D3, uh, just with a history of success. And I think Chris Beard has that. Now, what happened uh, that night in Austin, that's between him and his partner. And if they're okay with it, then in my view, it's nobody else's business. Uh, all the columnists that maybe are a little self-righteous and, and talked about, you know, how the bad look or whatever at Ole Miss. Uh, I mean, that's between two people only. And if those two people are okay with it, it's none of my business. That, that's kind of the way I look at it. And you know, so, it's the way I look at it too. And, and and I looked at it also this way. And this is not to, it's, it's not meant as any social commentary, but there was an arrest made. There were, there was an investigation. The charges were dropped. Yep. Uh, obviously, he's not going to pay a criminal price because there was no crime in the eyes of the district attorney. Right. But he paid a tremendous price in losing a lot of money, in losing a job that, that he... Dream job. Yeah, that, he, that was his dream job. A job that he coveted. I mean, you know, yeah. when you're... And you're right. Some of these guys, the Wolkins and the some of these people that come out with these columns, these righteous columns, it's just... yeah. It's it's kind of nauseating, honestly, and, and it, it, that's a good word for it. Because they don't they don't know. I'm I'm with you. There there are two people in the world who know what happened that night in Austin, right? And that it matters to and the rest of us. It ain't matter. our business. It's not our business. You know, it doesn't it's matter. Flat and, out, not my business. And if his partner 
is okay, uh, you know, and, and he's okay. And, and, you know, the, like you said, the DA is okay. I mean, mm -hmm. anything else is just speculation. Yeah. And, 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 and he's paid and he paid a price. He paid a terrific, yeah. terrific price. And, and so, yeah, I'm with you. I, I know that the season will roll around and the columns will pop up again. And, oh yeah. And, and the and, fans, the fans are giving to him good, the student sections, but yeah. he's a tough guy. Uh, he'll, he'll deal with that. I think yeah. he's, he's glad to be back in the, in the game. Uh, you know, this is what he does best. And he, you know, I think he, I think he's one of the top, I don't know, dozen to 15 coaches in the country. And I don't think Ole Miss could have gotten him any other way. Uh, and again, I don't condone violence or anything. And, and, but uh, for all the people that mattered, including the DA, uh, this was a non-starter. So anybody that writes a column and complains about it, tries to jump Keith Carter about it, it's none of their business and they don't know. So yeah, you the know, last I, I looked, our country was innocent until proven guilty, right? Yeah, you know, and, and I don't think anyone who's followed me would describe me as an Ole Miss homer. I, I, in fact, I think a lot of people might go the opposite of that. I, I would I would agree with that. I think you're one of the most fair reporters I've been around. So I give Keith Carter credit for this. I, 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 he is, when, when he started digging into Chris Beard, he had time. Obviously, you could see the end of the Ole Miss season with, with Kermit Davis. It just wasn't working. That's, right. You know, it just wasn't working. Keith knew long before anything got announced that he was going to be making a coaching change. That was, it was obvious. And so he had plenty of time. And I think when he started on Chris Beard, it was so that one day he could say to people, hey, look, I looked into Beard. We couldn't do it, blah, blah, blah. And the further they went with Chris Beard, the more they thought we can do this. And they dug yeah. deep. They dug deep into everything involving Chris Beard. I'm sure they've had lengthy conversations about what did or did not happen that night in Austin to get to a place where you felt comfortable with it. And like you said, yeah. and, and, and Ole, Miss, Ole Miss knows this. Keith Carter knows this. You weren't going to hire Chris Beard if he's just got through taking Texas to the Elite Eight. Uh, you weren't going to pick up the phone and go, hey. That was impossible. <laughs> fans think it's possible. I don't, I don't even think fans think it's possible. So it's it's the part that the Wolkins and the 40s and those people, when they do these columns, it's going to be, you know, sometimes you have to know your place. And and uh, you had an opportunity to hire an unquestionably elite coach that fell into your lap. And you have to yeah. at least dig into it, and they did. And the more they dug into it, the more comfortable they felt with it. The more comfortable they felt with it, the more they thought we can do this. And you know, a lot of people thought they would hire Dusty May, and and the way that it worked out, Dusty May ended up going to the Final Four, and they very well may not have been able to hire Dusty May at the end of of the NCAA tournament. I don't know. We'll never know the answer to that. But um, all right, you know, as it as it stands, they got their guy. What are they getting in Chris Beard? When you what what makes him you and everybody else throughout? trust in this college basketball stuff says top five, top 10, top dozen, whatever. And ranking coaches is such a subjective thing, but what, it is. what is it about Chris Beard that makes him such a good coach? What is it about style well, of play recruiting ability? What is it? I can say without hesitation that I'm right because you look at his track record everywhere he's been, he's turned it around and he's turned it around quickly. Uh, you know, so you have that, but I think his background in, as I said, classifications less than D1, 
where it's a hard scrabble existence, where you're constantly putting new rosters together, and the skill that you develop when you're doing that is how to build and develop and maintain chemistry. And I think that's what he, I think that's his superpower. And it's perfect for Ole Miss because, and I've talked to every Ole Miss coach, you know, since I've been doing Blue Ribbon, I've written the Ole Miss story. And every summer we, we have the same conversation, whether it was AK or, or Kermit or whoever, but you're not going to get the top 15 players uh, to come down there. So you're, you're taking uh, a little bit less than, let's say, Kentucky can get or Arkansas can get or Tennessee can get or Florida can get. So you have to be a little crafty. You have to look outside the box. So, well, that's perfect for Chris Beard because he's always done that. You know, he's taken JUCO kids. He's taken transfer kids. He's given kids second chances uh, just like he's being given. And, and maybe taken a risk, but been rewarded by it. Uh, and I think what he's what he's mastered is, and this could be why Kermit's no longer there, because Kermit's a great coach. But I think in today's college basketball, with today's kids, you've got to master the art of being tough, but knowing when uh, you hit a wall. And kids will do most anything for you if you care about them, A, and you give them a good reason for doing what you're asking of them. And if you can handle that, you can be successful. And I think Chris has all that in terms of procuring the talent that maybe has fallen through the cracks or, you know, tried it at other places and he thinks is ready for a step up. And then, as I said, his superpower is building and maintaining chemistry. So. He's perfect for Ole Miss. I mean, Keith Carter hits a home run. Uh, whatever the columnist may say, this was the best hire Keith Carter could have made, without a doubt in my mind. So he's put a staff together, and, and these NCAA staffs are going to expand to the summer because of the new rule and the way that you put a, a staff together. But he, he, Brian Berg from, from Georgia Southern is here. Good uh, hire. Worked with him at Texas Tech. Wes Flanagan, who worked with him at Little Rock and then succeeded yep. him at Little Rock, left Bruce yep. Pearl staff to come here. Al Pinkins, who was here uh, previously with AK, and great staff, was with Mike White at at, uh, at Florida for a little while. And most recently, was at Texas Tech. He's here. There's some other names that are flying around. Whatever happens, we'll see what happens. But he's put together a pretty good staff so far. When you hear those names, what make what do you think about how they'll try to put together a roster? Well, I think uh, he's hired guys that, that know the league, that know him. And I think they exactly what to look for. They'll, they'll look for the kind of player that he wants. And, and that's kind of a two-way, jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. Uh, going to have to defend, going to have to rebound. And, you know, they'll find scores too. Brandon Murray is, is a Chris Beard player all the way. Uh, not a great, great, consistent three-shooter, but can shoot it. But what he does, I mean, everything else. He's a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. Uh, Tennessee thought they had him last year. And uh, Joe Tipton, who does the art for, you know, the recruits, 
had donned him in a Tennessee uniform. Then he up and goes to Georgetown, and I thought, man, that is a questionable decision because Patrick Ewing is not going to last, you know, another year. And sure enough, he didn't, and now Brandon's on the move again, and they're going to have to get a waiver for him to transfer. But that's a Chris Beard kind of guy. Those are the kind of guys uh, that they're going to find. They're going to find guys who have been one or two places, tough kid, maybe can do a little bit of everything, maybe not great, but do it well. Uh, and, and, and then he'll put a roster together. And I think at Texas, Texas is kind of a two-edged sword. Shaka Smart found this out too. You're able to, and you've got to get five-star players. But in a way, it's almost counterproductive. It was for Shaka because they had three or four years in a row where they lost a five-star big man after one year. And they weren't really considered, you know, one-and-done guys. But yet you have to take those players if you're at Texas. And now uh, Chris has no shackles, I think. And I think he'll be able to get the kind of kids that fit his system and and that he's one with. And trust me, he turned around Arkansas. I, I forget. Maybe they'd won 10 the year before he got there, 130. And within year two or three of Texas Tech, which was a graveyard, uh, he gets him to the final four. So this is a guy who can coach basketball. So, like I said, everything but that one night in Austin says this guy is, is one of the elite. And I give, I give kudos to Keith Carter. I mean, Keith played. Keith knows what to look for. And I'm sure he knew what to ask about this, whatever the incident will call it. Uh, and like you said, I'm sure he was satisfied with the answers he got. Or he wouldn't have pulled the trigger. So they're in the process of recruiting. You mentioned Brandon Murray. He's already committed. They're, they're in the process of recruiting a bunch of transfer portal guys, them and everybody else out there. Um, John Hughley, the fourth from Pittsburgh, who had a big season a year ago, didn't really play much this past season because of some personal stuff going on. Uh, Austin Nunez, the guard from Arizona State, was here earlier in the week. As we tape this on Wednesday, he still might actually be here. I'm not exactly positive. Uh, Tyler Perry, who was the kind of the star for North Texas, which is a really good team at North Texas. They won the NIT. Uh, I think we have to probably put some respect on on that league, uh, CUSA with with FAU and no doubt. North Texas and UAB. All those ended up being really good teams. Uh, Alan Flanagan, Wes's son, from played at Auburn, played a bunch. All of those guys are kind of guys that are popping up a lot in sort of, you know, circles. What do you, any of those guys stand out to you as, as fits or guys that make sense? I'm a, I, I watched a lot of, of, uh, CUSA, I guess, because of, I was following the Dusty May stuff this year because I was hearing his name a lot. It's not a secret, sure. not a secret that I'm good friends with AK and I watch his team. Perry's a hell of a player. No question. Uh, here's a guy that, he, he, he had it narrowed to 12, cut it to eight, and of that eight, four SEC teams. So uh, it's going to be a hard pull. Also, his coach, Grant McCaslin from North Texas, took the Texas Tech job. So that's going to be a hard pull. But I'll tell you, uh, he's not big. He's listed at 5'11", may not quite be that. Uh, 
he can stroke it, man. He he's a forty one percent career three shooter, and my theory is, and it, it's been proven, uh, if you want to win in the NCAA, I still hear you. I'm hearing a commercial in my. Oh, okay. I'm good now. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, where was I? Oh, if if you want to win in the NCAA tournament and you want to win handily like UConn did, in other words, no white knucklers, uh, uh, go down to the wire type stuff, you've got to have four guys on your roster. This is the number I've come up with. Four guys on your roster that can shoot it and, and have shot it, thirty high 30s, low 40s, for their career from three. And if you do that, uh, it just makes things so much easier. Uh, you can put people away. You can build out big leads. You can, uh, if you get behind, you can catch up in a hurry. And I think, you know, looking at some of the guys uh, Beard is recruiting, I mean, uh, the, the kid from uh, Nunez, uh, he didn't average a lot of points, but he shot 37% from three. Not on a ton of attempts, but, you know, that's the kind of guy that you want. Perry, uh, both years, uh, he came from JUCO, but both years he, he was at North Texas, shot 41% from three on a ton of attempts. So I think that's a, a big key is to have guys that can stroke it, uh, especially in, in today's world. Villanova proved it. They won two titles in a th three-year span. I went back and counted just because I wanted to know. In the 12 games they won in those two championship years, they shot 50% from three. And not on a small amount of attempts. They crushed people. Just like UConn crushed people. Now, of course, they had, you know, Sonogo and, and Klingon, the two big men. Uh, I think the best big men tandem in the country. But uh, they mainly did it with the guards. And I think that's what they're trying to find is, is uh, somebody that, uh, can make shot. Yeah, you watched the way UConn went through teams in the tournament. Just those last two weeks, the way they destroyed Arkansas and destroyed Gonzaga and uh, just just beat up everyone they played, blew out um, um, San Diego State in the in the title game. I mean, it was yeah. it was it was pretty masterful. And you do have to look at that. And it's a cop. Everything's every sport's a copycat sport. Everyone's going to look at that and go, okay, what did they do? How did they do it? And yep. how do we do that from, from there? And what they did was they were pretty good on the, they were really good on the boards. They defended well, but you're right. They had multiple guys who could shoot the basketball. It's the NBA is kind of the same way. It's a dribble, dribble drive, dribble drive league. You got to have guys who can space the floor, who can make shots. You've got to have guys who can uh, create off pick and roll, that kind of thing. It's, it's, Look, the court's the same. It's not. We try to make we try to make the the analysis of the game more complicated than probably it is. If you have guys who can space the floor and and make shots and can see the court and pass the ball and who know how to defend, you're going to have a winning formula. And if you don't, I don't think struggling. there's any question. And I talked to Rick Barnes about this a couple of weeks ago, and he went back at you know his team would go through these dry spells, these maddening dry spells where they wouldn't score for a four or five minute stretch. And he was ready to retool his offense. And he got to looking and he said, you know what? We got shots. They were either missed or turned down. So, you know, we talked about, I laid my theory on him. I showed him 
uh, UConn stats. And sure enough, they've got four guys that shoot it from anywhere from 38 to 42% from three. So how do you get those kids? Well, shooting translates. And if you look at a lot of the teams that rebuilt quickly this year, I'm talking about Kansas State, I'm talking about Penn State, they look to the mid-major ranks for kids. And a couple of years ago, a couple of these columnists that we were talking about would, would write, you know, stuff like, well, mid-major kids, if they average double figures, it never translates in, into a higher conference. So what? Uh, as long as that 38 to 42% three-point shooting translates. I mean, UConn had a kid named Joe, Joey Calcaterra that came from San Diego. He's a 40% three-shooter. He didn't play a ton, but he came in and made some shots. So that's what I say about if you want to win handily, you've got to have guys that can put it in the hole. And, you know, sure enough, Tennessee, and I'm not saying this because I talked to Rick. Rick was going to do this anyway because it, it was the no-brainer portal acquisition of the year. Uh, Justin Ganey's son, Jordan Ganey, from USC Upstate, uh, is a career 41% free, uh, three-shooter. He shot 49 from three as a freshman, and he just signed with Tennessee yesterday. So uh, shooting translates. And so you'll see that if, if Ole Miss is lucky enough to win the Tyler Perry sweepstakes, what he does on the basketball floor will translate. And so if you look at a lot of these kids they're trying to get, he knows as well as anybody, you've got to have kids that can make shots. It can make you look really good as a coach if you've got guys that can make shots because you said this and you're right. Ain't a lot of original stuff going on. Everybody steals from everybody else. Uh, you just got to have guys that can execute what you want to do. And when it comes down to it, guys that spend their lives in the gym that grew up shooting on the side of a barn or in the inner city with a, a chain for a net or no net at all. Those are the guys that are really coveted. And the portal has just changed the way people can go out and get those kids. It's almost unfair uh, to mid-major coaches who groom these kids and see them leave. But you know what I'm seeing now? A, a ton of. Uh, now these, these uh, mid-majors that are losing their kids to power conferences, they're plundering Division Two for good players. I mean, Ole Miss had a D2 or NAIA kid yeah. uh, this year who could play. He came from an NAIA NAI national champion. So, you know, everybody's going to go down and find talent, and it's what's happening. And if you're not on top of it, you're, you're going to be behind it. And if you're behind it, you're going to catch a lot of crap. Yeah, it's and just you're a not food, win. It's a food chain now. Is bottom line. I it mean, is. You just, it is. It's just there's and there's very few at the top that don't get plundered. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it. I'm going to steal that probably uh, at some point or other. It is a food chain. The little fish gets eaten by a bigger fish. Gets eaten by a bigger fish. Who gets eaten by a shark? Who gets eaten by a whale? And you know, even Kentucky. If you look at mighty Kentucky, they started four transfers this year. And would have started five if the little point guard had come from Georgia. He got to where he got hurt, but he got to where they just didn't trust him. You know, he was turnover prone, and you could and, trust he's back him in the, and, and he's back in the portal. Yeah, I think I've heard he might go back to Georgia. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, if Kentucky 
which pretty much pioneered the one-and-done five-star guys. If Kentucky can start four transfers, uh, it, it, tells you every, it, it tells you everything. Uh, Matthew Morell. Absolutely. Matthew Morell is one of the guys that's he, he's declared for the draft, but he's kept his eligibility alive. I expect Matt back next season. If you had to guess what kind of feedback he'll get from NBA people, what would you what would you guess he'll hear? I would think that they would say he needs to uh, show some more consistency, and if he does that, uh, you know he might have a chance. But uh, that that's probably what he's going to get. I, I haven't seen him. As I've looked in many, uh, uh, I'm just starting to get involved in, in this project that I do for NBA TV every year. I haven't seen his name pop up much. So, you know, it, it's, it's a consistency that they look for and, and a skill that translates. It's very much like, like it is in college basketball now. You can take, if you're a power conference coach, you can take a kid from a mid-major if he has one skill that can translate to the next level. And usually, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, Dusty May did this. Uh, he, he took a bunch of portal kids from lower levels that could shoot the basketball. So uh, with Morrell, it's going to be consistency. I, I would guess he, he might be wise to come back. Let's talk about just a handful of, uh, of, of league teams, and then I'll get a, a league big picture thought from you, and I, I'll let you go, and I really appreciate your time as always, Chris. Um, you mentioned Tennessee. You mentioned Tennessee. Let's talk about Tennessee. I, I hated to see uh, the point guard get hurt there at the end of the season. I thought it yeah, Ziegler, yeah. Yeah, Zakai Ziegler. Uh, they got, I'm a Santiago Vescovi fan, and I, I watched him at the end of this past season kind of at the tournament, and I sort of watched – they beat Ole Miss in the tournament. And I was watching him thinking, this will be the last time I'll see him play at Tennessee. And he's back. Uh, he's coming back. I think this is NIL kicking in a little bit. He probably can make more money yeah. in NIL in Knoxville than he could going overseas. I don't know that Santiago's a, a, an NBA player. I don't know that he's big enough. But, you know, he's a guy that knows how to play basketball. He's going to play basketball professionally and make some money, but he'll probably make more in Knoxville next season. I do think his veteran presence on that Tennessee team gives them a a little higher ceiling going into next season. We're a long way from being able to even talk about the year because of the portal and, and stuff like that. But you know that guy's going to play a ton, and he is a very good college basketball player. Yeah, that was a good get for them. You're right. I, I think NIL saved the day for, for, for him. Uh, and I think, it's, I think it's been great, actually. Uh, maybe an unintended consequence of NIL is keeping kids in the game longer because – they can make more money. I mean, somebody mentioned, uh, I think it was Rick Riley in the Washington Post. He was writing about Caitlin Clark, the Iowa uh, women's player who's awesome. And, you know, she's making 192000 which I think is peanuts for her. When you, when you see that gymnast at LSU is making $2 million a year. <laughs> uh, but Caitlin's making one hundred ninety two, and I think Rick Riley said in his column that the average – WNBA salary is like 76. So you're right. NIL is going to keep people in. And so with Muscovy, you get a kid who he's not a great, great uh, athletic presence. And he doesn't make a lot of two point baskets, which you think would be elementary. Uh, but he does a ton of stuff. He's a great rebounder for his position. Uh, he's going to play point guard until Ziegler's back. That's going to be a huge help for them. They've got some five-star guards waiting in the wing uh, that 
Coach Barnes was telling me the other day, two kids on their roster that redshirted last year that did stuff that routinely would just make you say, wow. And then they've got, I think, two really good young bigs in Awaka and Adu. And they're still in the portal. There, there's a kid uh, from uh, Harvard named Chris Ludlum that, I'll tell you what, he reminds me of Grant Williams. And I think he could play the same spot. Uh, they've been looking for a four-man who could playmake like Grant Williams since Grant Williams left. Yeah, everyone's so if they guy, were, by the way. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the, that's the thing. Uh, we talked about style. Rick incorporates uh, mid-range jump shots. So a lot of people think that that's those have gone the way of the dinosaur. And I, I don't know. If I were a coach, I'd want to score at all three levels. And so I think Tennessee will be able to do that. And I think they'll be okay. And, and they'll continue to play really aggressive defense. They were the number one defensive team in Ken Palm this year. I'm a big Todd Golden fan. I like watching him coach. I don't know what it is about him that, that I like necessarily. I've, I've listened to him talk. I, I, it's very clear that he understands the game. He's being incredibly effective in the portal so far, uh, which is not a big surprise. That's an attractive program. He's he's a good coach. He's, his teams have, have been solid at San Francisco. His first team at Florida was good and probably had a, a, a shot if Castleton hadn't gotten hurt. Um what do you what do you hear about what they're doing in the portal and and kind of what how good of a team they could be a year from now? You know they're they're dominating and and it, you know they're they're not necessarily getting power conference transfers. They got this uh, kid uh, from Marshall, a seven foot center that that I think will will take the place of Castleton. Uh, Tyree Samuel just signed a kid from Seton Hall that's a six nine power forward. They got a kid from Iona, which I'm surprised he didn't follow uh, Patino to St. John's, Walter Clayton Jr. That'll fit in. I like Golden. I'm actually going to get to deal with him some now because uh, yeah, I'm sure uh, uh, we have a mutual friend in Kevin Brockway. Yeah. And he writes for Blue Ribbon and has for years, but his paper won't let him write about Florida anymore. So I'm going to pick up Florida, and I look forward to talking to Golden because He's a young, new-age coach that, that is really reliant on uh, advanced metrics. And I, I look forward to our conversation there. But I think he's kind of an out-of-the-box guy, and I think he'll do a good job. I, I think the hire there was hoping that he could be uh, like another Billy the Kid and just a young sort of a prodigy type. And, you know, he's, he did some time with Bruce Pearl, so he learned how to game plan and then he did some things on his own with metrics, and and uh, I think he was ready for the job, and I think he'll prove it. He's, you know, the portal giveth and taketh away. They lost some kids in the portal, but I think they're gaining back better than they lost. You know, Billy Donovan doesn't get credit enough for what he did at Florida, and he also doesn't get credit enough for his ability to put coaching staffs together. And Billy had a oh, young yeah. Mark Dagnalt on that staff at Florida who – did an incredible job in Oklahoma City this past season with that team. And I was, uh, I'm, I'm a Thunder fan. My son's a huge Thunder fan. And so we were listening to some of the um, exit interviews. And when you hear players, star players, Shea Gildas Alexander, Lou Dort, uh, Josh Giddy, uh, guys like that talk about Mark Dagnall, the way that they talked about Mark Dagnall, not the cliche, oh, he's a good coach. I like playing for him, but yeah. the, the specific stuff about, 
about him. Even Trey Mann, who had a very disappointing second season and who admitted it was the toughest season of his life, was was talking about about Mark Dagnalt. And and you realize, man, if you can find somebody from the Billy Donovan tree or find somebody yeah. you think has a similar type of tree potential that Billy had and has, you you do it because Billy's terrific. He he I know the Bulls. It's it's really hard to win in the NBA. It, that's that's the it's it's hard with if you don't have superstars in the NBA, it is hard to win. And and so right, he, he's in Chicago. Where I mean his his best player is probably Zach Levine. And so you know that's that's it's difficult to pull that off. But they still were in the play in. But anyway, long story. So I want to talk about Arkansas for a second because they're also heavily involved in the portal. I mean it's it's almost like a running joke when a kid gets in the portal. You'll say, "Hey, he's heard from twenty schools, and one of those twenty is always Arkansas." They must reach out to <laughs> in the portal. I'm curious to see what you think Musselman does moving forward. He's obviously two Elite Eights and a Sweet Sixteen now, so he's he's good at building teams that peak at the right time. But he built the super team this past year, and they were affected by the Trayvon Brazil injury. There's no question, no doubt. But Nick Smith and Anthony Black and Jordan Walsh and all those guys and 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 it just the chemistry never quite worked with some of the injuries and and all of that. It looks like he's trying to build more of his kind of team this time with a portal team, and then he's got a couple of guys, Devonte Davis, Jordan Walsh, who I just mentioned, who are declared for the draft but have kept their eligibility. I don't know how these. I don't know. I don't know how guys like Musselman or any of them. I don't know how they sleep at night knowing that so much of their roster is completely in flux here in April. Because you know, you're obviously if Walsh comes back, you have this elite defender who has a lot of upside. And if Walsh leaves, you've got to replace him. I guess the long-winded thing: how do you sort of see him putting his roster together for his next season? I think he. I don't think he actually worries about it that much. He told me once that he, you know, he. He was an NBA head coach for a brief time at two places and realized that that wasn't for him, that, that maybe college was the way to go, but yet he took some NBA-type deals with him. And so he was a transfer guy before transfer was cool. Yeah. That Nevada team that, that uh, I actually covered this regional, came back from 14 down to beat Texas in the first round and 22 down in the second half to beat Cincinnati. That team had nine transfers on it, and I think it started five transfers. So he's been doing this quite a while. He says that he's he's committed to three staffers, and they've got these metrics that they've created uh, to help them select players, uh, transfers that would fit in their system. And I, somebody said they've offered or spoken to 100 kids in the portal and it's I'm not like so a sure running, it's a running joke, system. but it's true. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I'm not so sure how selective those metrics are if you're asking everybody. But he's got some kids who can play. Uh, Traymond Mark from Houston's a tough kid. Uh, Keon Manyfield from yes. Washington transferred in. He was a coveted transfer. Uh, L. Ellis from from Louisville. Uh, you know, he just figures out a way uh, to to put them together, and I think that's his gift is that and and then he's clearly a player's coach and if, if you look at his social media he'll do and say anything uh to get a rise out of his players and and to get them fired up so uh he's figured it out this is his home i don't think he should ever even think about the nba again and 
it's always going to be, I think he kind of loves the challenge of, of just kind of, I wouldn't say starting from scratch would be his goal, but he doesn't mind stripping down a roster and putting it back together. Just kind of an old gearhead with old cars, man. He'll, he'll take them apart just to put them back together. And he always, like you said, has them playing at the right time. He's a tournament ball coach. There's no doubt. Last thing, um, you know, you talk about these guys, Chris Beard, Rick Barnes, who I think you and I are both super high on as opposed to some of the people who do this first weekend Rick stuff. I think it's just patently absurd. Uh, Me too. John Calipari, uh, uh, Bruce Pearl, who's fantastic. I mean, just the, the I'm, I'm leaving people off. The, the league is full of musclemen. The league is full of really good coaches. Mike White. Mike White. Yeah, people that just do things different. They have different styles and different things. But, man, I mean, I was talking to Rick Barnes in Nashville. I was working on a Chris Beard story. He was kind enough to give me a few minutes of his time after his team's practice on that Wednesday in Nashville. And he just was talking about how this league, this was, you know, the question was, you know, what, is, what does Chris Beard bring to the league? And he bragged about the coach that Chris Beard is. And he just said, the league's really good. The league's getting better. It's about to get even better with Texas joining and Oklahoma joining. And there's a commitment to basketball. And like the people here are super excited about basketball again, as they should be with, with Beard yep. coming in and, and you look around and, and uh, the, the job that um, the guy did at Missouri, whose name's escaped Gates, the, the job that he did at Missouri. Dennis Missouri. Gates. Yeah, Dennis Gates had had Missouri basketball just jumping this past year. I mean, they, those games were with transfers. Yeah, Buzz Williams. I forgot to mention, I'm a huge Buzz Williams fan, and, and does a great job with transfers too. You know, so, so how how good can this league be? Can this league get to a place where it's Big Twelve good consistently? Where do you go for easy wins? I would hate to be Lamont Paris in South Carolina. Uh, I like Lamont. Got to know him when he was at Chattanooga. I don't think, honestly, that he's a better coach than Frank Martin. So I don't know that they upgraded there. And, and you look at some of the transfers he's getting. Uh, took a kid, another second year in a row, took a kid from the Citadel. I don't think that's where I'd be going if I want to tangle with Kentucky and Tennessee. And, and, and you know, you look at Mississippi State. Chris James is another one of those guys, uh, uh, a coach with a JUCO background that can yeah. piece uh, – teams together there's just no place to go for an easy win when, when when i covered the league with you uh and some of the games we saw together and and some really horrific basketball we yeah. i remember you and i used to laugh about it there were some teams and, that, and there were some schools that weren't trying no we're no that's 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 the best way to put it they didn't prioritize it and, and you know what, Neil? The league had to prioritize it. And for a number of years, they did not have a full-time associate commissioner in charge of only basketball. Uh, it was just C.M. Newton doing it as a consultant. They finally made that jump, and then they started their own network. And then all of a sudden, the network's printing money. Then they realize, we got to take advantage of this. And now it's it's been like an arms race for everybody to get new facilities. Ole Miss is one of the best I've ever been in. Practice facility, you know, Kermit showed me around one year, and he just opened his office door, and there you go, right into the practice facility. Uh, everybody's got that, or they're in the process of it. 
and everybody's got good coaches and everybody has tons of money to throw into it. And they see that th there's big time results, uh, not just as a school, but as a league. I mean, SEC got eight this year. Joe Lenardi's way too early first bracketology has eight SEC teams in again next year. So they're not going away. And then when Texas and Oklahoma come in, clearly that was the football move, but they ain't bad in basketball either. So, yeah, Rick's right. Uh, it could suffocate you if you were a coach. And I'd say Rick's okay. Uh, he's, he's getting compensated pretty well. I, last I looked, it was like $5 million a year. So he's a big boy. He can handle that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, where are you going to go for easy wins? That's what I want to know because it ain't it ain't Ole Miss anymore. No, uh, the, the only one that I I can think of, and I hate South Carolina. Is South Carolina? I mean, Jerry. Yeah, and I, like I said, good. yeah, Lamont Paris is a good dude, man. He's smart. Uh, he's personable, but I don't think he was uh, an upgrade over Frank Martin. And you know, if they thought Frank was struggling down there, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I just. I don't like the way that, that the program is going. I, I think he's committed to making it a transfer program. And even though we've talked a ton about transfers, I don't mean that to say that you could exist on it. I think transfers are plug-ins. You know, you, you, you got needs. It's like, you know, going to the grocery store. I need this. and I need that. I, oh, I need some milk. You plug in holes that you don't have. And that's what, if you're using the portal that way, you're going to be okay. If you're going to consistently use it to build with, uh, unless you're Eric Musselman, <laughs> I don't know if, if that's sustainable. Chris, as always, man, I appreciate the time so much. I know you got some projects coming and you're getting ready to dive into the NBA a little bit. So uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy that. And the playoffs are getting rolling. I'm a, I'm a big NBA guy, as you know. So I've I've already. I've already been enjoying them the, several series, even though my team's out. But my team, my team will not be out next season. I'll, I'll, I'll make this. There you go. The Thunder will be in the field uh, this time next year. Well, you've taught your son well. He's he's already digging the hoops. <laughs> yeah, he he loves the hoops, man. If he could just be about three inches taller, it would have been a different. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how that goes. Well, hey, thanks for the time. I appreciate you as always. No, always a pleasure, brother. Thanks. Uh, thanks to uh, Chris Dorch there for his time. As I said, I set an alarm so I'd know when to come back up. Apologize. Uh, so uh, thanks to Chris Dorch and Matt Moscona for their time on the show. This will be up in podcast form on Friday as the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Speaking of, we'll be back Monday with another edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. We will uh, recap Ole Miss's weekend series versus LSU, get you the latest details on Ole Miss basketball and football recruiting. We'll also recap the weekend in SEC baseball, the NBA playoffs, and much, much more. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. See you, see you on Monday. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.